clean and your gates with praises for you ransomed us by your blood thank you for your you have your way in this meeting lord the wisdom that flows from your heart into our hearts so that we can be full not lacking anything amen <coughs> amen thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus How is everyone? They're good? Amen. Who's ready for tonight? Mystery of faith. So also, um, before I keep going, I wrote a few down, a few things down when I was praying in the Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit also spoke to me about people holding on to their old life and live, living out of the pain and the trauma and the trials of their old life. When you come to Christ, you've inherited a new life. Uh, the Bible says that we're a new creation. That word is a species. It's like we've never walked this earth. That's how new we are in Christ. It's like we just became born from above and we've inherited what Christ has given us, meaning we are so new in Christ. And the, the devil, the only way the devil can interrupt our lives with Christ is when we bring our, our old nature into the new life of Christ. So I, I want to share what the Holy Spirit said to me. Um, that we are free and we are not to hold on to our old life anymore. Your personality, your character, your mindset, everything that you faced from the past has been settled at the cross. Amen. This is why so many people get troubled because they don't know how to cut off the old life. Or they don't know how to walk in the newness of Christ. So I'll share that with you. That's, that's what Christ has given us now. He only has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. That's his thoughts towards us. What are your thoughts towards yourself? You begin to ask yourself. It's very important you know this now, that we are free in Christ. Free. We are so free. That's the true power of the cross. We are so free. Christ wants us to live out of the new nature of Christ. Does that mean you are to change the old nature? No, the Bible says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
you 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 don't you're not there to undo every knot. I've got to change this. I've got to do this. No, your duty is to put on Christ. You, your job is not to fix your old. You put on Christ. That's your new nature by the Holy Spirit. We understand that. You're not to try to fix your old nature. You are to put on Christ. The Bible says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh. You are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, 99% of your battles will cease. I can guarantee you. Because that's your inheritance. Okay? Also, uh, one thing before I start. Um, for the single people here, be careful to protect yourself. Don't make yourself vulnerable. Um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, not today. He spoke to me last week about why, peop why people cannot hear from God regarding their spouse or their future husband or their future wife. It's because they're putting themselves in situations out of being desperate, vulnerable, to try to make things happen in the natural. And the Holy Spirit shared with me, for all the people here, not to make yourself vulnerable. Don't put yourselves in positions where you're alone, where you give someone else the wrong idea that you may be interested in him. Guard yourself. Okay? So you're warned today. Guard yourself. If you want to hear from God, guard yourself. Don't put yourselves in places where you can be vulnerable, where you're around men, or vice versa, where people can get the wrong idea about you. Okay? This is for the single people here. I've had issues in the past where people have come to me, God's called me to change this man. Months later, they're pregnant. She's pregnant. And I warned them, and I tell you gently today, guard yourself, but let God choose your spouse, husband or wife. Let him choose it. But he showed me why you're not hearing from God. It's because you're putting yourselves in places out of being desperate, uh, impatient, and you're wanting to force things just because you're at a church or you're in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean he's your spouse or she's your spouse. I just have to get that off my heart. Okay. So I'm watching you, okay? It's really to protect you. Because that person... They uh, have an AVO, AVO against each other now. Okay. Okay, so Holy Spirit gave me instructions. You ready for this? Very powerful. Thank God. The mystery of faith. 
I really believe so many people are struggling today because they don't understand the deepest meaning of faith. There are two common scriptures. There are two common scriptures that we all know about, yes? Regarding faith. Can anyone share them? So, can we have the microphone? And we'll get it up on the, we'll get it up on the screen. So there are, there, are, there are so many common scriptures regarding faith. So many. And does it mean just to believe? I mean, we've never gone deeper in the way that we should. And that's why so many people are stuck in their journey. Because they don't understand how to mature in their faith. So, Romans ten seventeen. Everyone knows this scripture, right? Yes? Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word about Christ. Okay. So, everyone knows this scripture, right? Faith comes from hearing. What is told and what is heard comes from the preaching or the message concerning Christ. We all know this scripture, right? Yes? We go to Hebrews. Now, it says here, But without faith it's impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Now, this is important for us to know here. How to actually operate in your faith. Now, you know in the Bible, everything that you actually do is by faith. I want to quickly go through them just to establish a foundation. So I want to share how I came up with this message. So I was praying in the Spirit when I wrote it and I shared it on Signal. Everyone remember that message that I put? Whoever did read it. Anyways, so whoever read that message, the Holy Spirit asked me, he said to me, What's the imp most important principle of faith? If you were to choose one, which one will it be? And he, I went blank. I went blank and these words come to me. And the words, can anyone remember? The words were spiritual growth. Did you ever think that faith has to do with spiritual growth? The Holy Spirit shared with me the, the most important foundation is spiritual growth. You know what that tells me regarding faith? You can never get stuck. When I first came to the Lord, I thought that I need faith to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, faith to speak mysteries in God, word of knowledge, whatever it is. I, I made a mistake where I, I navigated faith to spiritual gifts. I never navigated faith to my character. You have to get this. Because the Holy Spirit's digging the deepest foundation so we can actually grow. 
the greatest mistake we do in the church today, we navigate faith to the spiritual gifts, rather navigating faith to our character and our behavior. That's why so many people's identity is how they operate in God, not how they're established in God. Can you understand this? You'll never get stuck if you know this. That's why so many people's identity is how they operate in God rather than their identity in God. You need to get this. You'll be established on the right foundation. And to be honest, the Holy Spirit is navigating. But look what's coming from his heart. Establishment. Your character. Your behavior. Your personality. That's what Christ wants to touch. So I made a mistake in the beginning. I thought, faith is for gifts or spiritual gifts. I have faith to raise the dead. I have faith to heal the sick. And my identity was in the gifting. My identity is how I hear from God to operate. And God quickly corrected me. That's why so many people choke or so many people are caught off guard because when God starts to deal on their character, they don't know what they need to do. I want you to understand this. You'll be free forever. Amen. So everything we do is by faith. Let's, let's have a look at it. We go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. It says, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Even salvation, our foundation has to be received by faith. And I'm going to go somewhere here. Next one. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It says here, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm just opening your understanding. Everything we do is by faith. But I'm going somewhere deeper. Probably that you've never entered. Because the Holy Spirit now wants to take us deeper. 1 Timothy 6.12 It says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by, not by sight. Can I ask you something? How do you walk by faith? How do you actually walk by faith? Is it really something that's external or is it something that's internal? You begin to ask yourself, what type of dimension, what type of foundation am I building inside of me? Can I tell you the real issue here? The real issue is why our vehicles keep on stalling or why we are continuously clouded 
it's because we haven't understood what needs to be focused on. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's something that you hope for. And something that you cannot see. James 1.3 Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So you, you begin to see a greater picture here. God allows you to go through all that testing for one particular thing. It's to build up what? Your faith. To be honest, when I started my journey, I wanted to know what I'm in for. <laughs> I wanted to know what I'm in for in my journey. You know why? Then I can stand. Then I can fight. Then I can have clarity of how I need to walk with God. I'm afraid us, when we, <laughs> we get saved, we see all the benefits. We see all the, the things that we can receive from the Lord. Rather, preparation. Why so many people can't undergo discipline? Why so many people can't stand in the storm? Because they didn't find out what they need to go through when they get saved. And why so many people give up, why so many people are discouraged, why so many people are challenged, is because they haven't understood the process that they have to go through. Some people say it's hard, some people say it's difficult, some people say it's draining, some people say, that's not me. But when you get a hold of faith comes from hearing the word about Christ, he tells you what you have to undergo. And if there's anything, if there's anything that you need to know, is what, what happens to you when you get saved. I'm telling you, it's the difference between pride and humility. Pride says that I'm going to walk away from the Lord and I'm not going to go through the process that I need to go through. Humility tells you that I'll accept, but how can you accept something you don't know? That's the issue. People cannot accept something they don't know. They can't accept something they're not told. And that's why I see when people ask me questions about the Bible, why does God say this? Uh... What do you think God's saying here? They've read, the, they've read the word of God out of context. When I first got saved, I wanted to know what I'm up for. I wanted to know what God needs to work on inside of me. Because that's the pathway to the Holy Spirit, is understanding what? God's discipline. And God's discipline is really what? What is it leading to? Spiritual growth. Every form of discipline from God is to allow you to grow. And why so many people are not knowing what's happening to them now is because they haven't understood what God needs to change in their inward nature regarding their old man or regarding their heart's desire.
It's very important you know this. Because the greatest love that comes from the Father is what? The greatest love that is bestowed on us from the Father is what? Really, if you want to speak truth, the greatest love that's bestowed on us from the Father is what? Discipline. Discipline. Because discipline molds you into who? Who you truly are. Discipline. If there is something that the scripture says that discipline it doesn't seem it doesn't seem well or present in the in the in the present time, but it produces a seed of what? Spiritual growth. You don't know your. You don't know what God sees inside of you. You don't know. Neither can you see it now. But when you slowly allow God to mold you, you start to see your destiny. You start to see your calling. You start to see who you truly are. You can't see it now in the natural. But as you allow God to discipline you slowly, He gives you glimpses of what He's called you for. Each one of us. And the Bible is true. The one who cleanses himself in the latter days will be used as instruments of righteousness, set apart, holy to God. It's spiritual growth. It's called spiritual growth. So do you just believe in Jesus? Is it that easy? It's not like that. When they were identified as true believers in the Bible, they were called people of the way. They were the people of the way. Who is Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You start to see it's deeper than a name. But have you ushered that door for you to actually accept what he has to do inside of you? You begin to understand. Have I actually allowed him? And have I accepted true discipline from God? So everything you do is by faith. First John chapter five verse four. For what for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Everything we do is by faith. But where does it lead to? How do we actually mature? Or how do we progress? Especially in difficult seasons. I can tell you this and I testify. All my growing was in challenges. None of my growing came when God gave me gifts. Or God blessed me. All the challenges, all the trials is what birthed me to stand firm. First Corinthians 16, I'll just finish them. First Corinthians 16, 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Next one, Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you start to see everything we do is from faith. And that is the foundation of our faith, that last scripture here. Jesus is the meaning of our faith. But the issue we have here is that you become born again and you have your old nature to deal with. And that's when the wrestle begins. <laughs> that's when the wrestle begins. Some people, like a lion, they run fast. Some people, like a turtle, I want to do what I want. It's my way. This is how I've planned my life. And you go through the grind. And you struggle. And you're up here every week. I'll tell you something. If there, if, there is, if there is one battle that we have, if there's one battle that we have, it is our old nature. And faith, faith deals with that old nature. Because you know what it means to call Jesus Lord? It means that he has authority over you. You know, we're so easy to say these words, but you know actually what it means? It's his, he, his lordship over you. He has authority over you to actually do as he pleases with you. So that is the battle. That is the battle. Is that the same battle in the Bible is disciplining our old nature to the new nature of Christ. That is the battle and that is the promise of promotion. And I'll tell you something. When I went through these trials, God silenced me. I went through, I won't say a season, I went through years of fasting and praying and years of reflecting of my heart. And there were many things that the Lord done inside of me that allowed me to become the person I am today. But I didn't wake up overnight and God formed me like this. It was a process. But he won my heart. He won my heart and he continues to win my heart. In humility and in love for God, you will always win for him. I tell you this now. The greatest two principles out of obedience is the humility and love for Christ. Humility always allows you to be teachable, especially from the Holy Spirit. There's one relationship I do not want to break. It's me and the Holy Spirit because he is a person. Never do I want to entertain the sentence of me. Never. I don't know how to even think about that. But did I start like this? No, it wasn't like this. In the beginning, a lot of me was inside. But I don't know how to say the name me anymore. Because 
It's a sin to say me because of the death and the price that Jesus paid for me. He bought you at a price. You're not your own. You know what that means? It means what it means. You're not your own. And I learned to live in this principle day by day. I don't even worry about tomorrow. I don't even worry how I'm going to be formed tomorrow. I just focus in that day. So the next best thing other than the Holy Spirit is the word faith. I want to know that I'm cooperating with him and I'm moving forward and I'm growing. Don't you want to know that regarding yourself? Yes? The question you're going to ask yourself today is, are you growing? Because the word faith, if you want to look at it in the way of truth, means to spiritually grow. Are you growing through the Holy Spirit? Are you maturing? Or are you still an infant? Or are you still a babe? So I'm going to explain today of watch what does God look for and how is he really pleased in regards to faith. Okay, I want to bless you here. We go to two scriptures. I want to open your understanding. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. I'm opening your understanding now. So you can look deeper. Now look here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. It says, For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith. That word means add to your faith. Now, look where he's going with this. Look where he's going with this regarding the word faith. Look. For this very reason, applying your diligence. What is the word diligence? Is it a character? Can we say it is a character? To be diligent, is it a character? Or characteristic of God? You see where he's going now in regards to, to faith? Look here. For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith to develop moral excellence, and in moral excellence, knowledge, insight, understanding, and in your knowledge, self-control. Now, that is a big word. A very big word. Self-control. I think if everyone knew what self-control meant, the whole of hell will be shut up in your life. Does that make sense? When you have learned what self-control means, the whole of hell has lost its battle against you. Because what's the opposite of self-control? What's the opposite of self-control? Self-indulgence. You indulge the flesh. You give room to the flesh. And that's where the carnal man and the old man and the sinful man is. Can you understand? 
Now look here. Self-control and in your self-control, steadfastness. See, when you've overcome, uh, when you're operating in self-control, you have a steadfastness to go to your vision and your purpose. And in your steadfastness, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly affection. And in your brotherly affection, preaching in you, as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless and unproductive. What's the church suffering from today? Those very two things. Unproductive. No fruit. Unproductive. My, my walk of Christ, it's useless. It's not benefiting me in any way. What's the real issue? The real issue is you haven't understood the process. For as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regards to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you see faith, in the name of Jesus Christ, nothing happens. Uh, alarm bells are going off. It's, it's deeper than this, but you haven't understood. If you are walking in these attributes and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to work on those places of your heart, which is your character or the attitude of your heart, the moment you say the name, the power resides. God answers. We are so good at professing and confessing a name, but it's deeper than this. It's deeper. He heard you the first time. I understood here not to play God anymore. Don't play with God anymore. I learned this very quickly in my journey. Don't play God. Come to Him to get washed. Come to Him to get disciplined. Come to Him to work on those things in my heart. Don't play God. I learned this. That's why I was very I was very slow to contact God for everything. Rather, I contacted God first through the word of God. I learned God's attributes, God's character. I learned Satan's character and Satan's attributes. And I was very slowly in working with the Holy Spirit to undo those things inside of my heart. Can you understand? Mm -hmm. So look here in the second Peter chapter one, there is a promise. And what is that promise? That you will continuously grow and bear fruit and be productive in your Christian walk. Who's productive in their walk today with Christ? The Holy Spirit's been speaking to me, and He's been showing me, and there's going to be a great teaching coming up about how to introduce yourself to the Holy Spirit and getting to know the Holy Spirit, where you become or you have a close relationship with Him. Does He just come for the sake of coming? No. There are things that He wants you to know about Him. 
that will allow him to get closer and closer to you. It's very powerful. But when you know this, your relationship, not with the Word of God, your relationship will be with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is, this is for... The Holy Spirit shared with me something four days ago. And he said, why so many leaders are ineffective. And he warned me about this, but I like to share it openly. You know what he said to me? You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, why so many leaders are ineffective is because they try to counsel people through the Word of God and not through the Holy Spirit. How many leaders or how many people try to talk to people through the Word of God and not through the Holy Spirit? There's a big difference because when the Holy Spirit counsels someone, they get results. We're not called to counsel people through the Word of God. We're called to counsel through the Holy Spirit. And that's a fine line. I'm not saying that the Word of God is out. It's, it's together. But when we counsel, we don't counsel through the Word of God. We counsel through the Holy Spirit. I shared something last week. I live for another day. Okay, so the first principle. The first principle. You know the reason why the Holy Spirit shared that with me is because all the people that were coming here every every week to get prayer, and He shared with me the issue. You're, we're contacting the Holy Spirit for your life. You're not just coming for me or anyone else to get prayer. We are contacting God for your life. Be very careful how you treat the Holy Spirit. I tell you something, have reverence for the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we're contacting God for your life. I'm not praying in the name of Rabs or in the name of Pastor Tony or the name of Pastor Dorian. I'm praying to the Holy Spirit for you. And if there are bridges or doors that are not closed, be reverent to him to close those doors before you expect any types of deliverance or healing or restoration. And he said to me this, he said to me, you are not to counsel through the word of God, but by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will counsel you. He will remind you of everything that Jesus said. You won't teach yourself, the Holy Spirit will take you. That means he knows exactly where to steer you. But have reverence for God's presence. The person of the Godhead is here, wanting to deliver people, wanting to heal people, wanting to edify people. Have reverence to him. Don't use him as a, as a vending machine. It's God. It's not me. It's not another person. Have reverence towards him. I had a, I had a, I got invited to a birthday party, and um, this girl left the ministry. And she saw me at the birthday, and she said to me. Um, can you pray for me? And I looked at her. I've never said this in, in my whole journey. I said, do you want me to pray for you or you want the Holy Spirit to pray? 
And she took a step back. She said, I've never heard it like that. And I said to her, do you want, do you want the Holy Spirit to pray or do you want me to pray? Because how do we pray? Lord Jesus, bless this person. Lord Jesus, heal this person. Or the Holy Spirit tells you what you need to hear. So anyways, I haven't seen this particular person in years. And I said, do you want to hear or you don't want to hear? I gave her the benefit of the doubt. I didn't force myself because the Holy Spirit already spoke to me. And she goes, um, I'd like to hear. And I said, that person you're with now, dating, he's not from God. Cut the relationship. I can't tell you how fast she tried to run from me. I can't tell you how fast she tried to run from me. Not even her family knew that she was seeing the person. That's how shallow that relationship was, just the early one. And I said, I have something else to say to you, but I can't say in front of the people. And she ran for it. And isn't it interesting that when we control our lives, or we, when we want to be in the steering wheel, we don't like to hear what God has to say. <laughs> now I can't tell you uh, these things happen every week. But what is, why is God speaking like that? To protect you. Because he cares for you. To actually protect you. Okay. So the first principle, Second Peter, is adding. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three. Okay, let's hear Saint Paul's teachings. I love Paul's teachings; they're very powerful. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse three: We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters. And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Now, isn't that a statement in itself? That one of the greatest pinnacles of Paul seeing true growth by faith is by the way we love. Lord Jesus, use me. Love your enemy. Love those who hate you. That is, the, that is the test. Lord, use me for your glory. He turns all the people against you. Love them. Pray for them. I can't tell you how many times I face this. And if there's anything that promoted growth in my life was the principle of love. I can't tell you what happened. There is nothing in the kingdom of darkness that can fight against the love of God. And there's neither nothing that can stop you when you have the agape, the perfect love of God abiding in you. I can't tell you. I'll share one testimony, maybe two. We had a person in our ministry in the beginning, um, she was caught in adultery and she was sleeping with another man in our Bible studies. And 
one of the, one of the believers um, saw saw them in the park across the road to, and they came to me, and he says, the "Place that she's in." Literally, those words were released from my mouth, and I can't tell you what happened. So that night, the Holy Spirit came to her in a dream, and she was sitting under an olive tree, and it was dripping oil. And the Holy Spirit spoke out of the olive tree. And you know what the Holy Spirit said? He said, go and see my son Rabbi, and he will show you my love that I have for you. Where they were bringing judgment against her, they were trying to excommunicate her from the church, they were trying to rip her to pieces. The Holy Spirit said, go to him, to me, and he will show you my love for you. And it was from that dream that she repented and changed. So there is something about God's love that allows you to see like God. And it's the greatest foundation. And if there's something that I can speak truthfully, it's what we're all lacking. And the only way you get to see the measure or the level of love that's inside of you is through the trials. It's through the challenges. Lord, use me. Learn to love. Lord, I want to be your great vessel. Learn to love. And I love the way Paul says it. The perfect love of God remembers no wrong. I love how Paul preaches. The perfect love of God remembers no wrong. That's the way that love is to be. So I can't tell you that this love is a divine love that it comes from God. The only, the only thing the disciples prayed, Lord, teach us how to forgive. How many times do we have to forgive? Seventy times seven. What did they say to the Lord? Increase our faith. So divine love comes from where? From God. But isn't it interesting that the disciples prayed that prayer because they saw that they couldn't love the way that Christ wanted them to love. What allows you to say that prayer? When you know that you cannot love in that way, God gives it to you. So isn't it interesting here that one of the pinnacles in um, 2 Thessalonians Second Thessalonians, the way that Paul describes someone growing in true faith is by the way that they're walking in love. It's a lesson for all of us here. It's such a simple lesson, but hard for the flesh. So it says here, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Okay, so let's go. Let's go into this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. Are you ready? This is the scripture that promotes growth, teaches us how we are to grow. Now, I'll probably... 
I'll probably read the first sentence and I'll start there. Okay? I'm not going to read it all. This is talking about increasing our faith. So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage and personal integrity and mature behavior. That expresses uh, a life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. Okay, and then it talks about humility. But I'm going to start from the first one. Okay, a lot of people tell me, how do you get to this place? How did you cooperate with the Holy Spirit? How did the Holy Spirit become your friend where he begins to rule and guide your life? And I'd like to explain. So let's start with the first one, godly character. Okay, I'm going to take it slowly. So I've I put godly character versus demonic character. You ready for this? Okay. So godly character versus demonic character. Let's have a look. The first the first um principle is endurance versus giving up. So the first principle of a godly character, we, we, we all know the basic ones, love, joy, peace, yeah? Let's get deeper. Yeah? That's a nice way of shutting the sentence. Let's get deeper. Okay. I want to go deeper. So godly character versus demonic character. Are you ready? You all should be taking notes. Or you can take photos of this. Endurance versus giving up. Gentleness versus harshness. Verse pride. Joyfulness versus self-pity. Loyalty versus unfaithfulness. Meekness versus anger. Patience versus restlessness. Responsible versus unreliable. And this can be regarding the kingdom of God, why you are refused the entry to operate in the kingdom of God, but I'm not going to go there now. Reverence versus disrespect. Sin sincerity versus hypocrisy. Truthfulness versus deception. Self-control versus self-indulgence. Order versus disorganized. This is a big one here. I really believe this with all my heart. Why people operate in rejection is because of forgiveness. So the next one, forgiveness versus rejection. Next one, we're getting deeper now. Generous versus stinginess. Discernment versus judgment. 
Now, can I say something to you regarding this one here, discernment versus judgment? Someone will always be quick to judge someone regarding why they do things in life. But discernment will allow you to look deeper of why a person continues to do that, does that and you'll see a lack in their life. Will you get that? Okay. Another one. Diligence versus slothfulness. Now that's that's just a one word, one word regarding spiritual growth. Uh, I'm not finished. <laughs> you know, I thank God because from this you'll start to see. Well, okay, I can understand now. Did okay, so I, I read that one. Determination versus faint-hearted, dependability. Verse inconsistency. Decisiveness versus double-mindedness. A person who makes a decision and walks, rather than a person who's always double-minded, doubting what he said. Now, I'm not going to explain all of them. I'm just going to put it out there. Boldness versus fearfulness. Another big one. Alertness versus unawareness. Another one. Availability versus self-centeredness. Probably the biggest one out of all of them is this one. Contentment versus covetousness. Next one. Creativity versus underachievement. Hospitality versus loneliness. Initiative versus unresponsiveness. And the title I wrote for that one is recognizing and doing what needs to be done before I am asked to do it. Massive. Initiative versus unresponsiveness. Recognizing and doing what needs to be done before I am asked to do. Resourcefulness versus wastefulness. The wise use of that which others would normally overlook or discard. Flexibility versus resistance. Where they're flexible always to do whatever God wants them to do. Or the ones who are always resistant. Uh, unfortunately, that's a demonic character. Because it comes from the root of pride. I can't give my time in the way that I should. I'm not going to go too deep into this. But I just want to give you a taste of what the Holy Spirit wants to do now. You can teach them at school if we have teachers here. You can teach these ones at school. It's very powerful. It's actually very powerful. Okay. Next one. Put that scripture. We're going now to moral courage. Okay. I'm going to speak about moral courage and one more. Personal integrity. And I'm going to stop. 
Okay. So moral courage. A man who publicly resisted sin. I'm giving examples from the Bible. A man who does not retreat from the truth despite being outnumbered. This is a, a, pers a person who is of moral courage from the word of God. The main goal is the gospel to prevail. Moral courage requires purpose of heart. Moral courage does not make excuses, it stands by faith. Moral courage will not compromise with sin. Sin must not be tolerated for the sake of peace, for the sake of a job, relationship, etc. Purpose of moral courage is to save souls, to lead sinners to repentance, and to remove the biggest one, complacency. The steps of moral courage is to become a follower of the way, to live faithfully, to, to teach the gospel, to be a godly example. Okay, there are steps. I'm just putting it out there so you can begin to get an understanding of how we are to grow in the faith. Okay. To become a follower of the way, to live faithfully, to teach the gospel, to be a godly example. You see the, you see the positions? So I really believe we are at the first step to become people of the way. Then you, you advance. You're living obedient. God gives you the grace to teach others. And then you move into a place of leadership. Forget about a title. You become that person to others. Okay, now the opposite. Moral cowardice. One of the examples is Pontius Pilate. Knows, it's, knows what's right, but will not do it. Moral cowardice values safety over truth. It's a big one. Just putting it out there. Moral cowardice values safety over truth. Wow. Moral cowardice can lead a person to lie. Moral cowardice can lead a person to violate his conscience. Who was that? Peter. Moral cowardice ultimately leads and results in the bitterness of heart. Moral cowardice fears consequences for standing for the truth. Okay, next one. Personal integrity. Let's have a look. Uh, these are all scriptures. We go, you got them in line, yeah, AJ? You got them in line? Yeah. So personal integrity. I haven't touched mature behavior or humility, but, but I'm going to leave them for another day. Okay, I'm just summing it up very quickly so you can see what you're up against. I really believe now from this you can measure where you are as a believer. 
Yes? Yes? <laughs> okay, personal integrity. Second Samuel 22, 26. I'll just get you to flick through. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. I'm going to tell you the description of integrity from Job. First Chronicles 29.17 I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives. And I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Now this is it here. This is the description of integrity. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God. That's a description of integrity. The greatest foundation of integrity is what? The fear of the Lord. And stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Next one, Psalms 25. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced. For in you I take refuge. May integrity and honesty protect me. I put my hope in you. Next one. Declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. What's the word integrity? Good motives. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Another principle here regarding integrity. Doesn't matter what season you're in, no matter what you're going through, you trust in God's deliverance. And how does God act upon you when you operate in integrity? And what is integrity? To fear the Lord and to hate evil. God will always fight for you. It's true. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. For I am always aware of your unfading love. And I have lived according to your truth. I do not spend time with liars or go along with hip, hip, um, hypocrites. Next one, Psalms 41.11. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. In my integrity you uphold me, and you set me in your presence forever. Next one, Psalms 101 verse 2. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. Isn't that interesting where integrity begins? First in your home, then in your home. First in your heart, then your home. Look, look, at the, look at the fountain of where joy comes from. And I believe this with all my heart. 
because when you walk in integrity your heart testifies to the to the truth and joy is given from God Psalms 119.1 Joyful are people with, of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Proverbs 2.6-8 to for the, for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Next one, Proverbs 10.9 People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will slip and fall. I'm reading his word here. This is his truth. And you begin to see, this is not about a name anymore. It's deeper than that. I must submit to the truth and walk in God's character, which is really God. And the truth protects you. The truth was designed to protect you. You must know this. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. What happens when you walk in integrity? Naturally, that action is manifested in your children. It's greater than words. When you walk in the truth, your children inherit this. Titus chapter 2 verse 7. I'll finish up with this. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about her. So you start to see here those three traits is just the beginning of how God sees that you're actually growing. How many people here want to grow in the Lord? You begin to see why God does everything slowly and slowly. Because you won't be able to handle it. You actually will not be able to handle it. Why God does everything slowly and slowly. I have a saying, enjoy your journey, but cooperate with Him. Enjoy your journey, it's a good journey. But it's not a good journey when you're in the flesh. It's not. Everything in you comes against you. I share with you, the most important thing is to understand how you are to grow. Understand what God needs to address inside of you. But you start to see, what is faith? Is it a name? Is it a prayer? It's a growth. You start to see, am I actually growing in the sight of God? Forget about me, forget about this place. Are you growing between you and your Savior? This is the most important thing you have to know. Because what does God do? He promotes you. He promotes you to where? The kingdom. Winning souls. Having a responsibility. And you start to see from godly character, God's, God's wisdom versus Satan's wisdom. And you start to say, well, 
I didn't know I'm operating in them. But we were all there once upon a time. But you're not meant to stay there. You're not meant to stay there. And what is the pinnacle of overcoming them all is the love of God. That's the pinnacle. The foundation of God's love breaks them all. It's true. When the love of God is present in nearly everything you do, nothing of Satan or his kingdom or darkness can spring its head up. It will be chopped immediately from the love of God. And what does the love of God tell you? Not to be selfish anymore. So bless you all, but just know when it comes to faith, it's a journey. It's a process. It's a path of spiritual growth. So when I tell people, um, what's God doing in your heart? I believe in Jesus. I'm okay. People are so sensitive when we hit those realms in their heart or what's happening inside of them. Don't be like this. It's a real journey. And there are things inside that you have to speak about. But just know that it's common with all of us. But just understand why God has to put you through all these things. is so you can spiritually grow, so you can be his vessel. Because that's who he created you to be. But you, you, you begin to see a bigger picture. Who am I in Christ? What needs to come of me? Am I actually co cooperating with him? Or am I still going around the mountain? Am I still in the area of backsliding? Because if there is something you need to know, is how I can cooperate with him. Because life gets hard when you don't understand where you're going in your journey. And I really believe now we're in the season of laying the foundation for us to walk with the Lord. All these prayers, Lord, use me. Lord, do whatever you want with me. It's foolish prayer. It's foolish prayer. It means nothing to me anymore. The prayer that I pray now, prepare me, Lord, and cleanse my heart. Because those prayers are foolish. It bypasses your whole nature, your old nature, your sinful nature, and anything that God has to do inside. It's a foolish prayer. I know exactly what God has to work on inside. And I'm attentive and I'm cooperating with him. Because the most important thing to God is what? How he uses you or your heart? Your heart. And every altar that Satan had in your heart, God has to uproot. And it's a journey. But it's the only way that it can be done. Through the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you something. Some altars leave straight away. Some altars are deeply rooted. Be persistent. Because they will all come falling down. Don't give in to your flesh. Don't let your flesh rule. Don't let the enemy think that you're going to stay like this. Okay? Because when times get tough in the, in the flesh... And there are things that are hard and they seem to be um, living all your life and dictating your life and you feel like, this is me, I cannot overcome it. You will overcome. 
you be persistent, you will overcome. But I tell you something, it's a fine line. And it's the only way for you to be free. So don't let the f flesh rule. Don't let the enemy hold you captive regarding your flesh. You can overcome, but it's the only way. And I know why now God does everything little by little. is because we won't be able to handle it. Okay? So bless you all. And I pray that this message begins to put you in a place where you have a vision of what you need to work inside your heart. If anything from this message is to create a vision of what you're up against in your heart. Can we see? Can we see it now? You get to see your opponent inside your own heart. And then the journey begins. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, we glorify you, and we thank you that you are building us on the right foundation and that you're working on our character in the way you create us to be. Thank you, Lord. I pray for every person here that they can have courage, that they can have courage. I pray for courage in their journey and in their life. That you who began a good work will complete it until the day of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you started the good work in them and you will complete it. Thank you, Lord. I pray for encouragement, I pray for hope, and I pray for releasement upon their lives from anything that's caused delay in their journey. The spirit of delay, I command you to leave them in Jesus' name. Any forms of setbacks, any forms of delay, I command it to be broken over their lives in Jesus' name. Anyone who's thinking I spent so many years wasting my time, let that go today. Anyone who's thinking, what have I become? Let it go today. For His grace is new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. His love is new every morning. Thank you, Jesus. I declare it over their lives. And I pray from today, Lord, that they have a vision of how they can walk with you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, so much. Amen.